In between a much-needed home win over Duquesne and George Mason looming, we welcome you to a brand new edition of the Keith Ergo Show, your inside look at Ford men's basketball with the head coach. I'm Andrew Bogus, always happy to be along for the ride, coach. Uh, I'm assuming there was a little bit Friday night, maybe Saturday morning of an exhale after finally getting a win back inside Rose Thrill. Yeah, first and foremost, happy birthday to Andrew oh, Bogus. Right? Uh, turns out he's only 28 years old, everybody. So for 16 but, um, years, I've been 28. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, yeah, of course. You know, I was just happy for our guys. Honestly, you know, really happy for our, our, our guys because I think that was starting to really weigh on them, the whole home home court situation. Um, but I will say that, you know, we're going into every game expecting to win. There's no um, there's no doubt in this locker room's mind that, you know, we've had the opportunity to win some games and these guys, you know, have been more disappointed than anybody. Uh, I think sometimes the fan base doesn't necessarily understand that these guys, these guys have uh, are putting in the work each and every day. This isn't a group that has quit by any stretch. And you can tell by the way they, they put forth the energy, the effort, you know, it's hard to win at any level, let alone the Atlantic 10, especially this year, you know, um, so these guys, if you were to come into our walkthroughs or our practices and you were to watch, you wouldn't have any clue if we were, you know, 18 and whatever or 10 and whatever, you know. So if we had lost four in a row, won four in a row. And I think that's a testament to their their attitudes and testament to the leadership and um, that, that Kyle Antrell and some others have shown. And so so it was definitely a relief for our players, for sure. What about just playing, and these were your words after the game, as close to a full effort of Ford and basketball? Does it take just one game like that to show the guys kind of the path to more wins? Yeah, there's no doubt. We didn't even need that game. I mean, we've seen in stretches how good we could, could be. So they know. We talk, we've talked about it in nausea. We've watched so much film together, and they can literally see the difference between – our energy, our effort, and and when we're playing at a very high level uh, and when we're not. I mean, they know it. They watch just as much film as we do, and we watch it together, and, and they talk through that. Um, but, yeah, it's encouraging, and I think they feel that was as close as we played. They understand what kind of team we're capable of being, but, you know, you need to do it every day. We're not in a situation where we can get away with, you know, seven, eight, possessions um just kind of taking off whatever that might be uh we've done that in the past and it's hurt us dramatically we've we've lost several one or two possession games this year so they know we can't take our foot off the pedal um and, and we haven't won two games in a row since the non-conference in manhattan and fdu uh, and that that's also kind of making them a little hungry um and it's nice to be at home it was great to have the energy that we had in Rose Thrill. We need that again tomorrow night. I'm hoping, even though it's a Tuesday night, that we still have that energy and that the fan base understood this is what we can help with these guys. We can help, you know, generate some some extra uh, effort plays and extra energy in the building. And, you know, that was a fun basketball game to watch. And so I, I encourage all fellow former Rams to come out and support because these guys are really trying to to represent the name on the front of Jersey as much as they can, whether or not it's a win or a loss. I promise you that.
I wanted to ask you specifically about Kyle and Antro because Friday felt a little like what you got last year from Darius and Khalid, where the two old guys on top of X's and O's and whatever, they just, yeah. it felt like they were just not going to, they were tired of losing and they were going to make yeah. sure they got that win Friday. There's no doubt. And those two guys are competitors. They're, they're, they're as tough as they come. I don't care who you put in front of them in this league. They're going to fight. They're going to scrap. They're going to claw. They're going to give you an opportunity. And, and now some other guys are starting to, to understand, look, and, you know, I, I hold myself accountable for that. And, you know, uh, um, I, I didn't do as good of a job throughout this Atlantic tennis season as I should have done uh, holding guys accountable for what we say we take pride in. And Antrell and Kyle have been adamant about, um, you know, divvying out minutes to those who are going to follow their lead. And I think we did that the other night. And and now everybody understands moving forward, saying about what the fans think. It ain't about what the offense looks like. It's about getting back to our basics, which is tougher, nastier, grittier. Don't care what it looks like. We don't care what we look like individually, collectively. We don't care if we went 38, 36. We don't care if we win 80 to 86, right? We're going to play harder, more tougher, and nastier. And the guys who want to buy into that are going to see more and more minutes moving forward. Is that why there was a different starting five on Friday? Yeah, no question. We had to set the tone. We had to get back to what our identity was, and that's being defending and rebounding and attitude club and, and what we call our attitude plays, which is pretty much every you know winning play, a lot of most of which you don't see – and the statistics, uh, you know, when you look it up and the casual fan doesn't even notice, but has nothing to do with points or offense. I can assure you that there are some offensive statistics, but they're things like screen assists and extra passes and paint touches, things that, you know, help the team that that um, put pressure on the opponent. In this day and age. Plays. Yeah. In this day and age, um, when you're making a decision about starters and playing time what percentage of any of that decision is about keeping a guy for next year and keeping a younger guy happy how did that play in at all yeah a lot of uh, I, I, you know um i i would like to say that zero percent is but that's not the case obviously and um i found myself making some decisions that weren't in the best interest of the program all you know which in my second year i'll take full responsibility for that and but since, uh, you know, those conversations have been had and, you know, I I, um, I think that also a lot of that has to, to do with the fact that I don't think we were getting much consistency from anybody, honestly. Um, and, and now we are getting a little bit more consistent from our older guys, which makes it easier to kind of set the tone. And look, there was no selfish play or anything like that. It's just getting back to our identity, understanding that, you know, what helps us win games here at Fordham is being just tougher and nastier and being more physical that gives us the best opportunity and, and finding that, that balance and finding that those, those lineups and, and now having some of these younger guys understand that winning is fun and, and, and understanding what it's going to take to win going back and showing them the differences between what we've done when we have won and what we haven't done when we've lost and, and breaking it down very simply, simply for them. Uh, ultimately all of these guys just want to win. They understand they're going to get what they want individually if we win. Um, and, and that was clearly evident the other night and we need to continue to play that, that way, uh, moving forward. In addition to the new starting five and maybe redistributing minutes, it also felt to me watching the game that 
guys just stayed on the floor longer than they had in the past. Like the five-man group was out there. Is that part of what we've been talking about? Or was that just the way the game was playing out on that Friday? Was just, honestly, that was just the way the game. And that was really in the second half. I think they that starting five. And, and it was a result of a lot of stoppages, quite honestly. There just happened to be a perfect amount of stoppages where – Guys weren't getting – they were playing really hard in stretches, but there were more foul calls. There were more stoppages for whatever reason in that first um, couple of minutes, which let us get to the 16-minute. I like the way that we were playing and, and uh, we were going on a run and we were staying out of foul trouble in that first four minutes of the second half, plus there was three or four extra timeout situations. Plus, because of the result of it being a nationally televised game – our media timeouts were almost three minutes long, which is a minute to a minute and a half. Joe could correct me on that, but we had more time during those timeouts to get rest and recovery. Um, so that kind of aided into it. I wanted to ask you about Jameer trip because when he plays his talent is evident, but yeah. you got to earn your minutes. But my yeah. non coach brain goes, okay, he gets a bigger leash because he can do some things that other guys can't do. Is that, for a coach, is that a battle that you don't want to kind of lower the standards or change the standards based on on somebody's yeah. theoretical talent? And one of those things, and this is what the casual fan, you, you, you understand it a lot more than most, but most fans don't comprehend. I could care less if you go down and you score three points or if you if you make a great assist. We really don't care. And the problem was we were leaving guys in because of their offensive skill set, but on the defensive end, they were getting destroyed, they they were screwing up. Um, execution on what we were doing schematically, or they were giving up offensive rebounds, or they were fouling or putting us in rotations, which most people don't see. They only focus necessarily on the defensive end. And we've made it a priority. Look, I could care less if we win, lose, but we're going to get back to our standard. If you're giving up more points than you're generating on the offensive end, plus minus is a thing. It's how you get paid at the next level. Are you making an impact, which most people don't understand, especially on social media? You know, there's a lot of guys and a lot of people that like to voice their opinions on lineups, this kid and that kid, but they don't look at this, the, 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 the details that what we say we're about in practice and in film sessions. And if I let one guy get away with that, what is the next guy going to do? He's going to step on the floor and not really. So we have to hold everybody to a certain standard, hold them accountable for that. And I can't, you know, it, none of it has anything to do with offense. Uh, I Again, you know, you're supposed to be able to score at this level. You're talented enough to make an impact offensively. But how we win and how we um, measure our success is what are you doing on the defensive end? And are you making mistakes? Are you fighting over the screens? Are you switching when you're supposed to switch? Are you cracking back and preventing offensive rebounds when you're supposed to? Are you closing out? on uh on your defense on your offensive player the way you're supposed to and the way that we've talked and spoke about are you giving up middle when you're not supposed to right are you um playing as hard as you possibly can was there a loose ball and you didn't dive on it you're coming right out and we we held to that standard it didn't matter who you were kyle and Trump. It didn't matter who you were the other night, and that's what it's going to be moving forward. So it might look, man, that kid just hit a three, and he's coming out. What is coach doing? Guess what? I don't care. Because if you hit a three, but you go up and you give up an offensive rebound, or you give up a, an, an open three, even if they don't make it, you're coming out. Because that's the only way for you to understand you better buy into what we say we're, we're all about. 
And the only way to do that is to take away what they love, which is their playing time, right? Doesn't mean you're not going to go right back in, but that's kind of the standard we've set here. And we got away, we got away from that for a stretch of games. And now we're getting back to that and guys respect it. They know exactly what they need to do to stay on the floor. They really do. And our practices have reflected that. Well, I appreciate you giving me more credit than I deserve because I still, in my simpleton brain, probably skew offense over defense like 60% of the time because it is just easier to see. Like It it reminds me, too, of like quarterback wide receiver conversations in football. Like We have no idea watching a game what the call is, what the huddle conversation is, who's supposed to go where, what the next progression is. We just see an incompletion or a touchdown pass. Like We can't see what you want to do on defense the way we can see somebody knocking down a three. And then all, all offensively, what most people don't pay attention to is anything but the ball. And right. you can tell me everything you want. Most coaches <laughs> get caught up watching the ball, right? So you have no idea, oh, my goodness, the whole timing of the play, all five, four guys did exactly what they were supposed to do. But one guy was cutting at 50%. The entire timing was completely screwed up, or he didn't set a screen when he was supposed to set a screen. Off the ball, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. He didn't exchange. He didn't cut. He didn't post up where he was supposed to do. The timing, like they, so so if you don't know the plays half the time, and we can only play you, we, we can, we, your, the playbook, so to speak, is limited to 25 or 50% or even 60% because an individual's in the game. Most people don't understand that or comprehend that. And they don't understand a lot of sets out of timeouts and execution. If you screw that up, that's a problem. And the other four guys got to live with that. And a lot of times what most people don't see is if Antrell or Kyle come to us and say, get him the hell off the court, I'm doing it immediately. And that happens the other night that happened like seven times, believe it or not. It happens four or five times throughout the game. When we're playing at a very high level and they're completely engaged, it happens more often than you think. And we're going to we're gonna listen to our seniors. I am, for sure, because they've earned the right to trust the people they're playing with. And that happens a lot. Hopefully it happens less and less as we move forward. Um, but they, they've kind of bought into the standard. So, for instance, if there's a loose ball and three dudes dive at someone's feet and someone doesn't go pick them up, we're going to take his ass out. Had nothing to do with the play. Right. It was after the play, but they're in, in our minds, they're not completely bought into culture. And it just kind of they, they won't make that mistake again. And if we do that consistently, guys know exactly what it is. It's it's kind of, I know it might sound crazy to people, but to 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 win long term and to win consistent, um, the things that we've seen and the cultures that we've been a part of, we know that that's what that that that's what Uh, can turn Fordham into a sustainable top half of the Atlantic 10 program and not just worry about tomorrow night's game, which a lot of fans want us to worry about, but that's not our jobs. And it's also, I think, with all due respect to your your roster, you're not funneling in four or five McDonald's All-Americans every single year where you're just going to be more talented every single night than the other guy. Like That's what you have to do. You have to have a system that these talented players fit into because the system needs to exist year to year. Andrew, did you see VCU's brand new practice facility that just opened up in their weight room? That's about $50 million alone. Did you uh, just yeah. see that that's what we're recruiting against? Right. So, you know, we have to, we have to build something that's sustainable uh, and something that year after year, we, we have an identity 
that can provide us the best opportunity to be successful. So, um, you know, I, I know that that isn't sexy all the time and certainly we have underachieved, um, but that doesn't mean our guys aren't working just as hard and we're putting maximum energy and effort. And, um, you know, I take full responsibility for the lull in the, in, in the first half of the Atlantic 10 season, but I think we're getting back even even the games that we've lost recently at Dayton, you saw the second twenty minutes. Man, we were flying around, and I, I think we're we're kind of understanding now. And the goal is always to be the best team we can be by the end of the year. And you know, we have a. It's interesting. We have some older guys that have typically been role players most of their career. Are very good at those. Now a guy like Kyle's taking a much higher leap, right? And then we skip, we skip the junior class. Right. We, we don't mm -hmm. we, we don't even have normal seniors. We have fifth year seniors that are going to, you know, one or two of them have the chance to potentially be six year seniors next year. We don't even have normal seniors. We don't have normal juniors. We skip and we go all the way to this, the sophomore class. So there's a big gap there that, you know, we have to to make sure that the sophomores are, are adhering to that standard that guys like Kyle and Entrell have created over the course of the last three years. Uh, you mentioned plus minus a few minutes ago. No stat is perfect, and different coaches have different ones that they lean on more. Uh, Ramad Dean was, I think, plus 23 in 19 sure minutes was. on Friday. It's about as good as it yeah. can get, right? That's as good as it can get, and he's been playing as much energy. And, you know, I, I, I made some mistakes at um, Davidson. He played about 15-something minutes, but he was playing so hard um, that he asked to come out two or three times when you hold up a fist in our program. Some you don't even recognize that a lot of times we call it fist up. And one of our goals is to get, you know, five to seven guys or almost everybody who steps on the floor throughout the game at one point to play so hard. They hold you the hold a fist up. That means I need a break. Please get me the hell out of the game for at least a couple of minutes. And right. he did and that. If you don't see the fist, they puke and then they get, then they definitely come out. <laughs> oh, and then, then, I, then you're going right back in. <laughs> because that is the most exciting piece of the puzzle. That's that's a goal every night. Um, but Ramad did that at Davidson. He did that like twice. Um, and then so I took him out. And then he he didn't close out on Kachera, right? And we gave up a three. He overhelped. And I ripped them out because we said that's what you were going to come out for. And then I made a mistake of not getting him back in uh, at, at one other time. But um, he he held up his fist, I think, two times the other night in 19 minutes. So that's why he didn't play 30. He would have, but he, he, he playing as hard as he is, you can only play about 20 because he was maniacal and why he's been in the starting lineup. He's won our attitude club the last two games by a long shot. Um, and, and now he has garnered the respect and the trust amongst everybody in the program. We know exactly he's consistent with his energy and effort. It has nothing to do with making shots. Right. It's just he's playing as hard, if not harder than everyone on the floor. And when we got five guys playing to that level, we're we're we can beat anybody in this league. And that's where we have to get to right now. That's what we're trying to accomplish. And as you do that, you've used the word play with um, it just left my head. Not panic. Is it panic? Is that the word you use? No, that's a bad word. Um, I definitely don't want to play with no, panic. No, but in terms of of kind of focusing here late in the season yes and does that conversation ever include seating standings we don't want to play on that first day let's get out of that bottom four i know you think about it other guys are aware of it but does it ever actually get verbalized in a meeting 
Yeah, I mean, these guys understand what we're they, they they look at it constantly. Like people don't understand. These guys are so engaged. They watch every Atlantic 10 game. They watch um, you know, the standings. They 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 understand the schedule moving forward. We play everybody that's above us. The bottom line is you control what you can control. It doesn't matter if you're trying to stay out of this game day, you're trying to make, you know, double whatever it is, you have to focus on what you can control. And that's today and then tomorrow. George Mason's ahead of us. We have to beat him, right? So no matter no matter what we do, if we don't win, none of it matters, right? So, um, you know, and these guys understand we're just trying to get better. We believe that if we get better from the game we just played, it doesn't matter who we play, we're going to win. We believe that. We believe, we believe this group specifically. If we play as hard as we're capable of playing, and we play harder than we just played the other night against Duquesne tomorrow night, we're going to be victorious. So that's all we can control. Focus on the next opponent. And at the end of the next two weeks, they do know there's only two weeks from here on out. Right. That's what I do know. It's crazy, by the way. I can't believe we're at the end of the season. You know, we only got about five, six practices max left, four games left, and then the first first round, whatever that might be, first, second round, but our first uh, Atlantic 10 tournament game, our goal is to keep getting better from here until we get to Brooklyn. And we believe if we do that, I I don't care who you are. You don't want to play us at any point in time when it's a one and done situation. Uh, Now, Andrew O'Connell puts this whole thing together. He loves when we do non-basketball topics. So do you want, um, (laughs) do you want Dave Matthews fish questions here? Or do you want George Mason questions? Dealer's choice. You know what? I'll take either or for for 50, (laughs) Alex. I mean, but I, I, uh, I love, I love all of the above, quite honestly. I, right. I don't like Dave Matthews. I like Dave Matthews. I don't love Dave Matthews, but That's I absolutely fine. adore Love Fish, as you're aware. Yes. I've seen um, a lot of Dave and I've seen a hell of a lot of fish. So I can eat your, you know, I can answer any uh, any of those questions. I'm sure most fans want to hear about George Mason. Though. Yeah. So let me ask you about we're not talking Hall, No, no, no. What's that? <laughs> so let me get to George Mason uh, and Keyshawn Hall, who's obviously jumps out and anybody that's seen them this year, I think he's fourth in scoring first in rebounding. Is he like anybody you guys have played already this season? No, he's a lot like the kid from VCU Vince Williams a couple years ago. That's the closest okay. I can get to a comparison. He's not quite Kamara. Cause I think Kamara, Kamara was much more, uh, more athletic, faster, longer, you know, rangier, but not nearly as skilled um, as, although he did break a record last year in the semifinals for Atlantic 10 tournament field goal percentage, which I think he was like 14 for 15. But anyway, this this kid's got pretty much everything in his offensive repertoire, plays so hard and so nasty. He's like, like he's so confident and he, he never stops. I love him. I love watching him. Um, I respect the heck out of them. And it's going to be a serious challenge for us. You know, I watched a lot of, you know, previous games and I thought Loyola Chicago just did what an unbelievable job they did um, kind of taking him out of rhythm. He didn't catch the ball where he wanted to. He never felt comfortable. Um, and I think for the majority of that game, for the first 30 minutes, I, I don't know what he ended up. I can't remember, but he had five points, right? Because every single shot he took was challenged and he didn't get the ball where he wanted to they they were really physical um and they mixed up their coverages on him um and that's really the only chance you have to to prevent him from getting his averages which are pretty legit 
they are, for whatever reason, uh, a different team on the road, it feels like. They don't have the best starts on the road. Their record is much oh, different. Much better at home, what are you but... doing, man? What are you doing? You've uh, been doing listen. this long enough. But no, that is an Achilles heel right there. What are we doing around here? Hey, this is a win for me. If they get uh, off I... to a hot start, I swear to God, we get an extra timeout, and I'm going to flip you the bird up in the booth. Come and get me. I Listen, I think last year <laughs> I made a I You better wear your red about... suit. No, I can't. You guys, you lost it the last time. The red suit's right. dead for now. Uh, you can go white like Patino. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Oh. I'll be great. <laughs> Nobody needs me in nah, a suit I mean, like that. It's hard, man. This league is tough. It's tough to, you know, the road games are, we're kind of an anomaly, honestly. Um, but, you know, the, the road atmospheres and environments in this, and everybody's got older teams for the most part. Um, it, it's been It's been tough sledding for a lot of folks. Uh, in this league uh, on the road, hopefully tomorrow night, you know, that, 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 that rings true <laughs> um, because, you know, getting off to a really good start in the beginning, as well as in the second half, I think those are the two most crucial parts uh, of, of the game for us, getting off to a really good start, both in the first half and obviously um, the second half, which we did uh, a great job of the, the last time out. I'm trying to think of something I could say to reverse the possible <laughs> jinx I just laid out, but um, I got nothing. I'm at like I can't give you a basketball pointer. The suit's lost its magic. I'm empty. No, I mean I I think um I, I don't know what that is really on the road. I think it's just kind of a you know that's 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 a normal situation for most teams across the country, especially in the Atlantic Ten as well. Yeah, and it is. Um, I guess we can close with with this. It just it's amazing to me again that this conference has, you know, has results like teams struggling on the road or, you know, UMass beating somebody and then losing the St. Bonaventure and it's a negative and other leagues benefit from kind of this infighting. And it, you know, we've talked about the Mountain West before, you know, Air Force won in New Mexico and that somehow means the Mountain West is good. But when there's kind of quirky results in the A-10, it proves the A-10 is it's bad. A, it, I just don't get it. It's pathetic, the whole metric system. I don't care what anybody says, get rid of it. It's a joke. We have seven teams or eight teams, as of like last week, in the top 100 of the net. But somehow, some way, when we win certain games, we drop in the net. That's happened multiple times. That that makes no sense. Like, for instance, if they come in here and beat us tomorrow night, they, they probably drop because it's probably a quad three loss at this stage. Well, what is that? That be, So you're getting penalized for wins and losses? Like... It doesn't make any sense. Like, for instance, we win at St. Louis. We dropped in the net. What do we – What? I don't understand. None of it has anything to do with wins and losses anymore. We have – I think the last time I checked, I don't know if it's still, still you know, the situation. Maybe Andrew O'Connell can let us know. But there's there was eight teams last time I checked in the net, in the top 100. I think 11 in the top 150 or something. So, like, what do we – I don't get it. How do you beat a team on the road and go down? Or how do you beat a team at all? Whether or not you win by one point or 20, why does that matter? You won. You did your job. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I just – I'll yeah, never understand it. Still don't. I never will. And, like, it's supposed to be – I thought it was supposed to be hard to win at the Seagull Center. Ten. When we somebody... have currently 10. Thank you. We have 10 in the top – 158 in the top 100. Yeah, those are good numbers. Just, 
Yeah. You're supposed you to beat each other up. What? It's the eighth best league in the conference, according to whatever, whatever. Right. So how, how is it even a thought that a team could win in conference, whether or not it's at home or on the road and go down in what they call the net? Yeah. What are you supposed to do? I don't, it's not your fault. I don't get it. Well, as always, I've gotten you riled up on the way out the door. So a mission accomplished on my end. Like, okay, you tell me what, what, let me ask you quick. What makes the NCAA tournament the best sporting event in the world? The unpredictability. That's yeah. what it, I'm not going to let you, the unpredictable, like the fact that there's upsets everywhere and these, you know, who wants to watch a bunch of high majors playing each other? That's what you get all year long on TV. The whole point of the NCAA tournament, why it generates so much buzz is because you're getting something unlike any other sport across the world at any other time during the year. It's what it is. Yeah. And we keep doing and things to fight against it sometimes. People think, I don't understand why people are so like uh, distraught about the 96 team format. You just get more of it. You get more college basketball and more upsets and more fun. Ooh. Why would anybody want to get rid of that? I know some people do. I, I don't understand it, but whatever you can. And I, I don't know. And to me, it's not watered down. I really don't think it is because you have so many teams that don't get in that clearly deserve to get in, but there's made up metrics by human beings that just decide things that I don't know. I, I think the more, the merrier, the more fun, you know, the more, Hey, it is all about money. So it's yeah. more money for everybody too. So the only the only problem though is if you go to whatever more than sixty-eight, that's only probably going to get in more teams that are annoying, not the teams the second team yeah, or the third team from smaller conferences. We're gonna get the entire big twelve in the dance now. Well, well I, I agree. And and the fact that we even say that means it's a completely flawed system, no matter what you do, the whole thing needs to be redone, period. Regardless, if you stay at 68 or 96, what you just said makes no, absolutely no sense. Maybe instead of doing the SEC Big Ten Challenge, you force every high major league to do um, to do a series or two throughout the year in your non-conference. You do, you force the Big Ten to play the Atlantic 10, do a Big Ten Atlantic 10, or you force like, um, you know, like they have to do it. I don't know, something to that effect. Yeah. Give us a chance because nobody else, nobody's going to play us. Nobody's going to play Atlantic 10 teams. All right. Go so put I, some fish well, on. <laughs> it'd be awesome if we did that. But yeah, I mean, you can do, do geography too. A10 Big East. Though, so, you know, if the Pac 12 was a thing, have them play Mountain West schools, that'd be, it'd be great. I think it'd be awesome. Why not? You get 12 or 13 non conference games anyway. Why not do? Why, Instead of having them pay $100,000 to go play a Division three or a low Division one, do an A-10 challenge or do a Mountain West ACC challenge. Like, let's see, you know, where we're at. And do it like late November, early December, where teams are actually good enough and healthy enough to make it happen. I don't know. Uh, one last note on George Mason. I've been told again by the overlord, Mr. O'Connell, free Chick-fil-A for the first 200 students. So if you're on the fence about Tuesday night, Go get some chicken, watch some good basketball, uh, and and be be a jerk. It's okay to yell at somebody on the other team in green <laughs> and yellow or whatever the color is. Don't just sit there. Get there and make a difference. It does 
it does actually matter. If you saw anything, if you learned anything about Friday, is that student section makes a difference for for your team. So hopefully uh, they show up and they are allowed again on Tuesday night. Sandwich or no not. doubt, and and, I, and we appreciate it. I know our players appreciate it, and you know let's let's show the pride that we have in Fordham and Fordham athletics, and not just tomorrow night, but you know we've decided to do a blackout. Um, you know, the final home game of the, se the season for our seniors, um, which should be electric. I don't know if we're going to have another opportunity to do this, to do another show prior to that. Um, but the next two home games, there's absolutely no reason why you wouldn't show up and show out for our seniors. Um, but either way, you know, I, 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 I think it should be electric for these guys and, um, and they'll respond uh, appropriately. I promise you that. All right, Coach. Again, congrats on Friday. Good luck Tuesday. We'll talk to you again soon. Go Rams!